0: may seem to be a very very heavy message but it's not i rejoice in that yeshua when he was on earth he judged things and just like alan shared earlier if you were here with us last shabbat i shared a little bit from psalm 42 it was a reference point from from matthew chapter 12 and it dealt with yeshua coming and speaking and you could not hear him out in the streets he wasn't shouting at people He wasn't walking around in what people see as a traditional Bible thumper, that he was going to pound them into submission. But he came gentle, meekly, in humility, that he came. And that's what astounded all these people. Because here was the Messiah, and here he was proclaiming the good news, but he did it in a very gentle manner. He did not do that to be a revulsion to the people so they truly hear what he had to say. So today's message is is entitled, Yeshua defines, he defines what the unforgivable sin is. And some of you may be thinking, well, wait a second, that cannot be true. Isn't God all forgiving? Absolutely. Yes, he does show mercy and grace, but along with that, for him to be truly merciful and truly show grace... He has to be also a just God. So there's a balance. And what Alan was sharing earlier out of Second uh, Peter is also true. And also out of Isaiah chapter 42. That he's going to come and he's going to do justice. And the nations, the Gentiles, will learn of his justice. And it is whole and it's true. It's know that we have a God that loves us beyond all comprehension. But he's going to hold us accountable. For the things that we say and do and that's what a loving heavenly father does amen amen so turn with me now to matthew chapter 12 beginning at verse 22 matthew chapter 12 verse 22 or Mattiahu, which is his hebrew name then some of the people brought him a man controlled by demons who was blind and mute. Yeshua healed him so that he could both speak and see. The crowds were astonished and asked, this couldn't be the son of David, could it? But when the Pershim, the Pharisees heard of it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul. Some of your translations say Beelzebub, and that's all right. The ruler of demons, that, that this man drives out demons. However, knowing what they were thinking. Think about that. He could read their thoughts. This is not just some ordinary man. No simple carpenter's son. Here's a man with insight. And some will say, well, there's never been prophets like that before. Is that true? It said about Elijah when, when he called and he prayed that there would not be rain on the land of Israel. And Jezebel, who was against him, and King Ahab, it was said that when King Ahab spoke of him, he said this. It's like there, the prophet is, is, is in our bedchamber and listening to our conversations at night because God gave them insight. And so now is one who's standing before them, who's even greater than Eliyahu and Elisha. Here is Yeshua. And so it says there, he knew what they were thinking. And Yeshua said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every household divided against itself will not survive. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. So how can this kingdom survive? Besides, I drive out demons. If I drive out demons by Beelzebul or Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? so they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of Abba, Father God, has come unto you. See, he's bringing them to a point right here where it's black and white. There's no middle ground here. Just as these religious leaders, and it's just a few that are here. It's not all the Pharisees. It's not all the Torah teachers. It's not all the scribes it's not all the Sanhedrin that believes this, but just a few. And what God is doing here is he's calling them to think for themselves, to reason in their minds. Just as a lawyer would stand in a courtroom, and there would be a jury that was in the courtroom, and the jury would be deciding both sides of the cases. This is what Yeshua is doing. He's defending himself as a the revelation in the image of the Father. And who is he dealing with? The most highly learned religious leaders of that day who had twisted the scripture to control the people, manipulate them. Some of them did, but not all. Because many times when we read the good news, when we read the word the, we think it means all-inclusive, and it's not. You've got to read clo- very, very closely, and you, you gain an understanding. It's just a few individuals' opinion, but it's not the whole of it. Otherwise, as Barbara shared today about Nicodemus, he would have never gave Yeshua the time of day. Although he was worried about his stature and the fellowship with the other Pharisees, that's why he came and he visited him at night. But you know what? When he heard Yeshua speak, it was just like hearing the oracles of God being shared with him. There was something there as he studied Torah, the written page. When Yeshua spoke it out, it became life to him. And it became joy to him. And that's what drew him near. And that's what Yeshua is doing in this passage. He is setting things straight. He's laying them very, very... Out very, very clearly so that those who are hearing both the Pharisees and the Torah teachers and also the crowd here can decide on their own opinion of what the word of God is saying. And I'll think of this for you. Here is a word of God in human flesh standing before them, proclaiming what the word of God is. And that's kind of like a circle like a cat or a dog that's trying to chase its tail in our understanding. Here's the literal word of God that without him being there and speaking forth the word, nothing would have been created. So here is God's literal interpretation of himself, his son, now proclaiming the truth to all who may hear him. So continuing. Or again, how can someone break into a strong man's house and make off with his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man and after that he can ransack his house? Those who who are not with me are against me. We should look at that day-to-day as believers. If we're not for Yeshua in every aspect of our lives, if we have a persona at our workplace that we're one person, and at home, we're another. And that when we're in the, when the, when we're in the fellowship, the messianic community, we're a whole other person. We're against Yeshua if we're not for him. In every aspect of our lives. Continuing. Those who do not gather with me are scattering. Continuing. Because of this, I tell you that people will be forgiven any sin and blasphemy. But the blasphemy of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, will not be forgiven. One can say something against the Son of Man, and he may be forgiven. But whoever keeps on speaking against the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, will never be forgiven. Notice there clearly, it's not just one time. Okay? But it's a continual. It's degree by degree. It's kind of like that illustration. If you remember biology class, where they had you put a small toad or a frog in a jar and slowly you increase the heat, right, a degree at a time. Eventually what happened, that, that frog, it was cooked, right? That's how sin is in our lives. We allow it. We have the spirit of the living God telling us, Flee or do not partake in this, but we continue. And the degree is turned up one degree at another. There's a severing of relationship that's going on. And that was happening here with the Pharisees, some of the Pharisees, and some of the Torah teachers, by increment by increment. Let's continue. We'll never be forgiven, neither in the Olam Hazah, which is this world, or this time, or this age, or it's at the time of your life that has been inscribed for you to live. Or in the olam haba, that is the world to come, the age to come. And that inc- can include the, the millennial reign of Messiah and all eternity. So there's no way that you'll ever be forgiven of this sin. Continuing, today we're going to examine the pivotal passage in the book of Matiyahu, Matthew. So let us now look a little closer to these scriptures. In Matthew twelve twenty two through 32, not only marks an irreversible point in Yeshua's relationship with some of the Torah teachers and some of the Purushim, which are the Pharisees, but it also marks a change in his presentation of himself. Things change now. Yeshua is not going to be speaking anymore in black and white scenarios after this portion of scripture. What is soon introduced is what? But the parables, all right? The hidden truths. And only those who are able to get the fullness of the parables are those who are seeking after or those who are filled with the rock that will lead them into all truth. Up to this time, his major method of teaching the people was direct with illustrations to make a point. After the confrontation that is recorded in this passage, Yeshua's method of teaching will be in parables. Why? Matthew 13, 11 through 14, reveals to us that it is so that the truths of the kingdom can be revealed to those who belong to it, right? Remember that parable of, of what? Those virgins? And they have oil for their lamps, right? And there's foolish virgins there too, They have oil for their lamps, but what does the parable go on to say? Their lights become dim, and they start asking from those whose uh, lamps are burning brightly. They say, can we borrow some oil from you? And they say no. Why? Because they have the full revelation of God, in that they desire to have the ruach, the spirit, the oil, to bring them into all truth. And what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the bridegroom to come. right, that's what is happening here, okay, in that scripture. So now going forward, that the kingdom would now be revealed to those who belong to it, while at the same time the truths would be hidden from those who do not belong to the kingdom of Abba, Father God. You've heard the scripture, do not cast your pearls before swine, right? And you may say, well, what does that mean? That means this, that as you share the good news with people, those who are seeking after God will gain insight for what you have to share with them. And they will receive it gladly. You know what it will do? It will just kind of intensify their searching after God. Otherwise, what does the scripture go on to say? It says, do not cast your your pearls before swine. Least they, what? Abuse you and trample it under their feet. All right? So we're to be wise. We're to be spirit-led people. And when we share the good news with people, a person can only understand the parables if he has the Ruach HaKodesh. As a brand new believer in Messiah, when you, very first time you read the first four Gospels, did it make a whole lot of sense to you? It didn't for me. But after time of rereading, after time of seeking after the Spirit of the living God, the truth was revealed. And that's why now, you know, it's amazing. Many older believers read the Gospels anymore. You know why? Because they think it's like nursery rhymes. I've heard it, I know it, but you know what? They're not digging deeper. Because to truly know Yeshua, as Alan shared earlier, Yeshua declared how we should interpret him. And now as we're going through the very first book of the Gospels, the good news out of Matthew, we're getting directly from Yeshua's mouth how we are to perceive him. Because whatever religious background we come from, we go by that. Opinion and interpretation. And you know what? In many cases, it's wrong. Because we're not uh, meditating upon the pure word of God, which is the good news. And there's times when we need to read it and not read any commentary of man. But to simply read the scripture so that actually you start seeing pictures in your mind you actually start seeing Yeshua as he's portrayed in the good news. There were times when he was very gentle and meek, and there were other times when he was like a lion. There's many times that we freaked about him, what? Tying some ropes together while he's at the temple. And what does he do? He runs from table to table, and he's turning over the money changers' tables, right? Okay. What if someone walked in here and started flipping over these tables, all right? We would arise and say, stop it, right? But you know what? He did it, and what did he proclaim? You've turned my father's house in a place of merchandise. This is to be what? A house of prayer. So he was moved by the Spirit of the living God to operate in all these things. There were times when he came gentle and meek as a lamb, and there were other times when he stood toe-to-toe, face-to-face, and he wasn't going to give an inch. There are times when the Lord wants us to do that. But I tell you this, do not allow your flesh to be the indicator on how you are to operate and how you're to share the good news. Allow the spirit of the living God. So there's times when the Lord makes our spine as steel, and there's times when he has us just to speak a word and step back. But here Yeshua is confronting these Torah teachers because you know why? There's a divide going on right now because these Pharisees are becoming very, very jealous. Why? Because here's a man who does not have their stamp of approval, their, goose, their, their good housekeeping stamp of approval. He did not attend their schools, all right? He, he wasn't being endorsed by any one of them. And yet, they saw undeniable the power of God being manifested as never before. The raising of the dead, the healing of the blind, all these things were happening. Because he didn't need man's credentials, because he had his father's credentials. And who was moving through him? Everything that he was doing was by whom? By the power of the rock. Let's remember back at the time when he went to what? Underneath the mikvah of Yohanan. What happened at that time? And I know a lot of us believers will will read about it. We'll think, oh, that's cool. That's nice. But it says that the Ruach, the spirit of the living God descended upon him. And it was from that moment on that he started to walk in his public ministry as the spirit of the living God prepared him. We as a congregation, both corporately and individuals, if we truly want to build God's kingdom here, We have to be pressing into the spirit of the living God so that we'll walk in unity of the faith and we'll walk in the callings that God is giving us. We'll walk in the power and authority. We'll walk in the giftings of the spirit that the Lord has given to each one of us, both as individuals and as a corporate body of Messiah. And that what Yeshua is doing is he's demonstrating before his 12th Talmudim here. They're there, they're listening, And they're seeing how he's confronting these religious leaders of the day. He's bringing them the truth before them. And he's doing it in a very, very compassionate way. Because he's saying this to them. I'm the representative of Abba, Father God to you. This is his way. He has set these standards. He's not standing before them and saying, and by the way, one day when you're in the presence of the Father, the Father will not be judging you, but I shall be judging you as the judge. And notice this, who's giving this word of the unforgivable or the unpardonable sin? It is Yeshua himself, who is God of all righteousness, all justice, who can literally read the minds of any person. So let's continue here. Matthew 13, 11, 14 reveals to us, that it is so that the truths of the kingdoms may be revealed to all who belong to it, while at the same time the truths would be hidden from those who do not belong to the kingdom of Abba, Father God. A person can only understand the parables if they have the Ruach, the spirit of the living God. The rejection of Yeshua by some of the religious leaders of Israel marks a change in the offer that Yeshua was presenting to the people. He was saying now, who are you going to follow? As we read in that scripture earlier, prior to every service, Yeshua said this, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he wasn't boasting in that. That is the truth. He was the door. Here, our people were locked in traditions. And some of you who may not be from a Jewish heritage would know this. You also have traditions, all right? We can be so locked up in our traditions, in our opinions of what and who God is, that we need to, to focus on what when when God sent his son to give us the full understanding of what and who God is and how we're to be in relationship to him. So up to this point, it had been repent for the kingdom of of Abba Father God is near. Okay? It's on its way. It was a real offer of the kingdom of Abba Father God to be established. From this point, it will be still repent, but the kingdom of Abba Father God is now before them. Do you want to enter in? But you cannot enter in through the Pershing, the Pharisees, or the Torah teachers, or the scribes. You can only enter in through me, for I am the good shepherd. That's what Yeshua is declaring to them here. Continuing, to offer the physical kingdom now is gone. Because what were the people of Israel looking for? They were looking for a Mashiach to come and drive the Romans out of starting in Jerusalem throughout the whole land. That's what Yeshua was not about. He was building a eternal spiritual kingdom. Because just as Alan shared today in 2 Peter, it says this, that in the latter days, the earth and all that is in it, all the monuments that man has built to themselves, all the wealth, all the gold, all the silver, all the diamonds, all the stuff, everything is going to be consumed by fire. And when you have that full revelation, what that means, it means this. Everything that we put in the place, an idol in our lives over God, is going to be consumed. All inheritance, all millions, all all technologies, all electronics, it's all going to burn. It's all going to become worthless. Because you know what? To God, the most precious thing in his universe is men and women and boys and girls. That's all that matters because he did not die upon that execution stake for junk. But he died for you and I. And that's all that he desires is to hear us praise and give him worship and honor and glory. And you know what's beautiful? He's given each and every one of us a beautiful personality that we have no reason to be ashamed of because he created us that way so that we can have fellowship for all eternity with him. And that's what he's asking now, these religious leaders, is to think beyond themselves. Think beyond their traditions. Because he's now, now drawing the line in the sand. And he's saying to these religious leaders, I respect you, but I have a different opinion what the Torah teaches. So if you're going to be with me, come alongside me. And you will be able to lead the the people to true repentance. This is what's being laid down here. And what he's doing is he's pleading for their souls. Because these people who are looking at Yeshua in the eyes and they're angry, they're bitter, they're jealous, they're envious. He's looking them in their eye and he sees a lost soul. He does not see these Pharisees as his enemy or the Torah teachers. He sees men who have simply been misled by their own opinions and by their own doctrines of men. That's the tenderness of the heart of God that we serve. And so as the Lord sends us out to reach people who are both religious and non-religious, we're to see through our Father's eyes and have his heart in all these matters. This message will not be completed today. It's either a two- or three-part message. But the Lord wants us to slow down because many times we'll read the scripture, we'll know it, but we will not know how to apply it as Yeshua applied it in his life and the lives of his Talmud. This message is an eternal message because I know this many people have been traumatized by this one sin of being the unpardonable sin. I've had many people come to me as being a minister of the good news since 1991, a trained minister, but prior to that. And they've come to me many times and they've come and they've asked me, and they've said, I believe I've committed the unpardonable sin. And I was able to open up these scriptures and share with them. Because you know what the enemy does? He comes and he quotes part of the scripture so that God's people will walk in condemnation and not fulfill their call. This portion of scripture is liberating in that we know the truth and it's black and white. All right. And that's why it's the importance of this scripture. Continuing. What caused such events would result in such a confrontation and then would end so far as reaching the results? Remember that we have been seeing the relationship between Yeshua and the Torah teachers and the parashim. We have Torah teachers today, all right? They're teaching Gentile people, you have to start honoring Torah through rabbinical teachings. That is a lie from the pit of hell, all right? Because what they're doing is they're adding uh, to the Torah, and they're removing Yeshua. And there's been, been a battle going on in the Messianic community for years over this issue because if Yeshua is not continually the center of a Messianic congregation and it's becoming Torah observant, it's following after man's doctrines and lies, because for us, any congregation to be Torah observant, we have to have what? We have to have a third temple we have, a, have to have an ongoing Levitical priesthood. And we have to have animal sacrifices. And I know that the people that are listening here right now have already heard this before. But I'm sharing this with those who are listening on the podcast. Those Gentiles who are now getting locked up into this false doctrine of being Torah observant. That is not of God. Honoring Yeshua and how Yeshua Honored Torah, that is our example. The Lord says, "Move on." So I will. So now we're we're seeing we're remembering that we have been seeing the relationship between Yeshua and the Torah teachers. They are deteriorating for a great time. It began in Matthew chapter eleven, and the strain of the relationship with one another declines at even a faster rate. Why? Because now they're thinking and they're trying to find a way that they can put Yeshua to death. in that he confronted them heart to heart, soul to soul, on their error. They accused Yeshua of being a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors, Matthew 11:19. 19. They ignored the many miracles that Yeshua did, including the healing of every kind of sickness and disease, and casting out demons, and power over nature, and even rising people from the dead, Matthew 11:20 20-22. They accused him and his Talmudim of breaking the Shabbat, while in fact all Yeshua and his Talmudim had done was follow the Mosaic law and refused to follow their legal opinion of Torah observance, Matthew 12, 1 through 8. They became so incensed when Yeshua proclaimed that he was Adonai of Shabbat, and he healed a man with withered hand on Shabbat, which is in a direct violation of their own legalistic rules, that stated that you are to have compassion, but it could not extend onto Shabbat, only to the point was keeping the person's affliction from going from bad to even worse. You couldn't bring them to a doctor. So the Perushim, the Pharisees, began to plot with their enemies, some of Herod's party, on how to do away with Yeshua. And that verse is found in Mark chapter 3, verse 6. As what was revealed in Matthew 12, 15 through 21, Yeshua came as gentle Shamesh, as a servant of Abba, Father God. In his deity, Yeshua is God himself. He's literally God himself manifest in human flesh. In his humanity, Yeshua fulfilled with the Ruach HaKodesh, which is what the means by which his humanity was able to be in complete accord with his deity. There was a balance one with another. That's why it says that every temptation that we'll ever face in our life, even beyond, Yeshua faced and more, and he was more than overcomer. For why? He was walking in accordance with the rock, the Spirit of the Living God. And he has set that example for all of us to follow. He came to offer hope to all people, both Jews and the people of the nations. He came and proclaimed the truth of Abba, Father, God's kingdom. But he did not argue or shout in anger. As Alan shared earlier in Isaiah 42, verses 3 and 4. He had compassion on sinful men and women, including those most rejected by the people. The scripture says that he would not, what? Destroy a battered reed or a smoldering wick and he offered them all hope and redemption. Continuing, Yeshua kept his priorities in order and did things according to Abba, Father God's plan for him. He did not detour one iota. I believe that every word that he shared was inspired by the spirit of the living God. He did not seek out confrontation with some of the religious leaders over their false ways in order to put them down and to gain their power. You'll notice that we've seen that in years past. As one uh, religious leader of one group would begin to fall, there would be another one to come there and to steal their people. The seed of Abraham is not going to go out and steal sheep from congregation to congregation. We are to go after whom? But the lost people of all the house of Israel and all the nations. We are not seeking transplants from congregation to congregation. But the Lord is going to send us out that He would build His house by men and women, everyone who is a member or a tender in this congregation being filled with the spirit of the living God and walking in their giftings and fulfilling their call. That's what the Lord desires for this body to become more and more. Just as Yeshua is doing that and he's teaching his Talmudim at this time. Yeshua walked away from those as they began to argue with him. For he knew this would not serve or build the kingdom of of heaven. We see Yeshua would simply proclaim the truth, and sometimes he was very direct and it was in a very powerful way. Then let the truth do its work. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. Simply proclaim the truth and let people meditate on that truth and allow the Spirit of the living God to do his work in those people's lives. It's been that simple from the beginning. And that's what the Lord wants us to incorporate here as we share our faith with people that we work with, our neighbors, and those that we come in contact with to simply proclaim the truth and allow the spirit of the living God to bring about that good work in that person's life. So many times we think, well, there's a program. We got to go and copy what this congregation is doing. no. We're to hear what the Spirit of the living God is speaking to us both corporately and as individuals and walk therein, in freedom, in the Spirit of the living God. Continuing, the confrontation would serve the kingdom of our Father God, so Yeshua was not shy to do it from time to time. Such is in the case of today's passage in Matthew twenty-two twenty-four. 24. Then some people brought to him a man controlled by demons who was blind and mute, and Yeshua healed him so that he could speak and see. The crowds were astonished and asked, this couldn't be the son of of David, could it? And think about this. The Pharisees had certain Talmudim who were walking underneath the power and the authority of God, and they were casting out demons. But the Pharisees said to the common people, he does this by the power and spirit of Beelzebub. They were discrediting him for doing the same thing that their Talmudim were doing, all right? And it goes on to say this, while there were Jewish exorcists, and it's found in Acts chapter 19, 13, casting out a blind and deaf and dumb demon was a major miracle. Only the Messiah could perform it because unlike the legion of demons that are found in Mark 5, 1 through 20. Remember that man? And Yeshua spoke to that spirit. And the spirit, he asked him his name, and he said, my name is Legion. All right. And Yeshua cast him out. Goes on to say here, one could not talk with it because it was a dumb and mute and blind spirit. And so the only one that could deliver This man was the Messiah. And think about this. How many times the parashim, the Pharisees, had sent their disciples who walked underneath the gifting and authority of casting out demons, and they brought this man in their presence, and they could not cast him out, that demon. But here was Yeshua. Undeniable. You know what? All the people of that village knew about what was going on and what these uh, Talmudim of the Pharisees had tried to do but here undeniably before their eyes. And that's why they were so astonished because they knew that it could only be the Mashiach, the Messiah, of the Most High God, that had this power and authority. So continuing. Matthew uh, 12, 22 through 24. The crowds were astonished and asked, this couldn't be the son of David, could it? But when some of the Purushim heard of it, they said it is only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons, that this man drives out demons. We are not told how many times had passed since Yeshua had healed the man with the withered hand, just as it was some time afterward. In Mark 3, it reveals that some of the Purushim, the Pharisees and the Torah teachers, were present, and they descended into a pit of evil from which they never returned. Why? Because they desired what? to do away with Yeshua. Why? Because he was drawing those people unto himself. See, there's a difference here. Because the Purushim, the Pharisees, they should have had the heart like Yohanan, right? Because he went and he proclaimed the good news. He did the mikvah, the, the, the water baptism, of a sign of repentance, of dying to your old life and rising anew in life in God. And it says this, that as Yeshua's ministry started, Yohanan simply stepped back because he knew that the one that was coming after him was far greater than him. From his own words, he said, I'm unworthy to even to untie his sandal. See, true ministers of God, both male and female, will not seek the limelight. True ministers of God male and female, will desire for the body of Messiah to be in the limelight from time to time and for them to step aside. Because what we're doing here at the seat of Abraham is we're raising up other leaders. And some of those other leaders are at the same age or older than us who've never had the opportunity to minister in the giftings of the Spirit. And that's the path that the Lord has set us on here and i know that's a sidelight but the lord says make it known so the people will see that the gifting of the spirits are going to be manifest here the spirit of living god through the personality of every individual that calls the seed of abraham their home amen because it's not about us it's all about yeshua and yeshua's personality and his character being manifested through every member and attender of a congregation because you know what happens then all of us receive and all of us are walking in unity of the body of messiah as that's being manifested blessed be the name of the lord continuing notice the situation that begins at the confrontation a man who's controlled by demons is brought before yeshua This was not unusual since Yeshua had already cast out demons from many people. This particular man has a demon induced which caused blindness and he could not speak. Yeshua heals the man, which again should not be very shocking since he had done this so many times before. But the man who was previously blind and mute begins to demonstrate before the crowds that he can now talk and see. And they're blown away. By it. They have seen other people who've had demons cast out of them. But here was a man who was speaking and he was seeing. They're, they were utterly amazed, and their amaze is a strong word here, meaning to be totally astounded, beside oneself, amazement and wonder. In literal terms, their minds were completely blown away. They had never seen such a great miracle. They were knocked out of their senses by what they had saw and heard. This astonishment led them to wonder out loud about Yeshua. And they began to say to one another, and listen to this form. This is the way it's truly been said. This couldn't be the son of David, could it? They're saying that that way because you know why? They're in fear of the Pharisees and their opinion, the religious leaders, because who controls the local synagogue? It's the Pharisees. It's not Yeshua. He goes from their synagogues and he goes forward. He, when called upon, he takes the Torah and he reads it and then he expounds upon it and he blows them away because he gives the right opinion of Torah interpretation. And this is what I'd say to you, all you who are Torah readers here, I believe this and I pray this every week, that God would give whoever's the Torah reader the right interpretation by the Spirit of the living God. And that's why every time I come here, I am so blessed because in some congregations, you'll have one or two Torah readers, okay? And they're the only ones given that assignment. That's why it's a blessing here. The question being asked is so formed as to expect a modified negative answer or sort of like, no, he's probably not the son of David. Yet who else could he be to perform such a miracle? The term of son of David is a messianic term. It's from 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16 and Psalms 89, 3 and Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. This is the title that, that the crowds later use of Yeshua when they welcome him into the Jerusalem, as their Mashiach Messiah, Melech King. Their question here is wondering, if Yeshua is the Messiah, they recognize that such miracles were being done by Yeshua were signs of the Messiah. See, they're putting one and two together. They began to think for themselves. Alan can attest to this, and so can I. In the synagogue, we go by whose opinion. Not our mom and dad's, but by the rabbi's opinion. Those of you who are here from a Roman Catholic background, whose opinion do you go by? But by the priest, right? The Roman Catholic priest, right? Those of you who have come from a denominational uh, background, whose opinion do you go by? By the pastor, okay? But what does God desire for us to be? A people of his word. That we would not go by the opinions of men, But we would go by the literal word of God as it's being fed to us by the spirit of the living God. Can you imagine this? If every member and tender of every congregation upon the face of this earth would spend time searching the scriptures and allowing the spirit of the living God to equip them and to empower them to walk in the power of the spirit the body of Messiah would be far more healthier than it is now. And we'd be building the kingdom as never seen from the time of the very first believers. And that's what the Lord desires to do in this end age. So make time to study the scripture. Make time to shut off the TV, shut off the radio, shut off the interpretation off the internet and search the scriptures. Because I tell you this, Everyone who's ever written anything or written any commentary on the scriptures, all right, who's a believer of God, who did they receive it from? But the spirit of the living God. Do not short circuit yourselves. Because you know what? In these latter days, as we spend time listening to the spirit of the living God's voice, because one day the electronics is going to be taken away from us. Our books are going to be taken away from us but we're still going to have the spirit of the living God to lead us into all truth. And the scriptures that we're memorizing right now, and I'm not saying to do this in a legalistic manner, but out of the joy of having God's word hid in your hearts. Amen? That that is the the, the power and the authority and the word of God that we'll be able to proclaim. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Stop the message right here because there's more to share at another time.